0: On this episode, we're joined by the head men's basketball coach at Mount St. Mary's, Coach Dan Ingolstead. Give me that green light.
1: Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now.
0: All right, we are now joined by the head men's basketball coach at Mount St. Mary's, Coach Dan Engelstead. Coach, really appreciate you coming on, man. I know you just got out of practice, so thank you for taking the time.
1: Always a pleasure, man, and it's always good connecting with you. Uh, dating back to our days in the uh, Holy Cross dorm rooms, like yep. summer camp. Yep. And, uh, no, I appreciate you having me on. It's always good to catch up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate you coming on. Those were... Uh... Those are some fun times, that is for sure. I, I look back fondly on those times. I would trade, uh, I would go back in a heartbeat. So, um, before we kind of get into all the nitty-gritty, I want to give you the opportunity to, um, you know, tell the people for, for the people who don't know, like, starting all the way back um, at St. Mary's College, where you all the all-time assist leader there at the school. So, I feel like point guards and all-time assist leaders make good head coaches, and you're proving that, but um talk about your start how you got into college coaching and, and why you got into college coaching
1: so we date back to the days where i, I played uh i started falling in love i had a great coach um, we had a brock cantro was his name and he uh, came from miami at the time he was Tulane, so he had a one background and uh he took over at saint mary's and you could just tell how smart he was and how much he knew about the game so it really kind of Intrigued me because I, I played high school basketball. Um, I, had a, I enjoyed my high school basketball career ter- tremendously out of freedom, um, but there was just such a different structure to it. And um, it kind of piqued my interest of, of just like how much, um, you know, you can learn from this game of basketball. And um, I, I really started giving back to my high school during that time. I, I coached the summer league there and um, really enjoyed that. And, you know, looking back now, I don't think I taught them a whole lot, but just, you know, I had fun connecting with with young men and and just knew that I wanted to be around, um, the game. And as my college career kind of came to an end, um, you know, I I didn't know what the next phase of life was going to bring. Um, my dad worked internationally. He was actually in, uh, he was in Zimbabwe at the time he, he, he worked in you know over 10 years he worked in Zimbabwe, Rwanda uh, Iraq, Kosovo but he was in Zimbabwe and I went over there right after graduation and I was running summer camps um, with the high school, I went to Ball Women High School and I, I would, thought about starting a training business and we would actually started working on the LLC and um, it's a crazy story, one of my closest friends, mother who was the nutritionist for the Redskins at the time ended up having a, a really rare fiber overdose and she ended up passing away during that trip. And we had to rush him back to get to the, the airport. And so I, I really would have never seen the email, but um, it was an email when I got back to the, it was a backpackers lodge in Zambia, Africa at the time. And it was a, a an email. Would I have interest in the third position at the Mount St. Mary's where I'm now the head coach. Would I have interest in, in that position at the time? It was a third assistant. As you know, there's only three division one assistants, um, but this opportunity uh, was, um, a grad position, uh, and only paid $5,000. And so that's why I had the opportunity. I had no experience. And, uh, Milan Brown, who was, uh, you know, is my mentor and, and guy and, and man that I worked for for six years, you know, gave me an opportunity and took him to hire me. But, you know, that was a, an amazing, um, opportunity for, you know, any young coach to, you know, get on the sideline. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just trying to figure it out. And, Um, trying to add value where I could and that first year in the business was the year that we ended up going to the NCAA tournament Um, so I was very fortunate, we we, we ended up playing Carolina in the first round, that's with Hansborough Lawson, Ellington and I remember sitting at half court and, and Roy Williams coming up to me and I'm 22 years old at the time and you know, coming up and saying, hey, hey, coach, like, you guys are doing a great job, and I, I, I was just like, I don't know what to say to him at the time, and said, <laughs> yeah, coach, get you guys too, man, you, guys to and, uh, you know, it was one of those, just like, wow, like, I, I, this is pretty, pretty neat, so unfortunately, you don't get the NCAA tournament every year, and found that out the, the hard way, we had some, lost the championship the next couple of years, and had a good run at the mound, and coach got the Holy Cross job, and uh, brought me with him there, so that was my time as a Division One assistant, and um, you know, so very fortunate and thankful for, for him, uh, you know, giving me
0: that opportunity. So, you know, obviously you have a pretty unique um, story and how you got in. My question would be, nowadays, what would you recommend to guys thinking about getting into college hoops? You know, how, how has the path changed and, and where would you say to an 18-, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid what to do?
1: It's just so competitive you know that's I know you know it, paul i mean it's so competitive um and a lot of it is the networking and um but really networking and like no getting to know people like how you tried to do it when you came up to holy cross and like really tried to meet the whole staff and and build real relationships and you know the biggest thing is you know there's so many people that want to break through and break into this profession and, you know, you, you want guys that are going to go that, you know, go that extra mile. And, you know, I, I love when people stop by practice and, and will ask questions. And, and so I definitely suggest doing that, going to different college practices if you can and uh, meeting meeting those people, working camps. Obviously, um, hoop group was huge when it was um, sanctioned. Um, you know, but those type of events are always good. And, and then just... Um, you know, doing it the right way. Like, don't try to cut any corners. Study the game as much as you can. And um, you know, it, it is a business that's built on relationships. And so that's, you know, that's the biggest advice that I have. And you know, I, I do keep every handwritten card that was ever written to me. Um, and I, I actually put them on my, my board. I think that's really a, a way to, you know, separate yourself. A lot of people write emails, and a lot of them are form emails, and that those can kind of can get overlooked. I try to respond to all the mail that I get, but. You know, definitely handwritten and notes. I, I do think carry carry
0: weight. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think you're spot on. I mean, the the industry has only gotten more competitive. Um, you know, even when my uh, my dad was coming up, I mean, you used to start as a high school coach, a freshman high school coach, and then you worked at JV and varsity, and then maybe you went into college, and that's just. Um, You know, I don't know if that's realistic. I think probably that has been skipped, and now it's, you know, if you can get on with a good prep school, you know, then you can probably have a decent shot at at going the college route. Um, But there's no rhyme or reason. I mean, you got to be in the right place, right time, get lucky, and and do good work. But um, I wanted to ask, too, like, you know, it's not every day that, uh, and we'll kind of jump back to the Holy Cross days, but it's not every day that a head coach at the D3 level – gets a head coaching job at the D1 level, Um, you know, when you were interviewing for Spots, you know, what were the questions from ADs like? I mean, were they skeptical? Were they for it? I mean, what questions were they asking you?
1: Yeah, so I was going through the process. I was in Southern Vermont for five years, and, you know, I'm very thankful that they gave me an opportunity to be a head coach. You know, it allowed me to kind of learn a lot on the fly and call timeouts and screw it up and um, you know, so I went through the interview process, you know, uh, a few times at some Division II schools and some other, you know, high power Division III schools, and, um, you know, the mount was unique in the fact that, you know, I, I had worked really hard when I was there. Uh, people knew who I was, and I kept a lot of those relationships, and, um, you know, I had been a head coach, and I had been a Division One assistant for six years, uh, but a lot of the questions were is, like, how, you know, how are you going to manage a budget of this size? How are you going to um, deal with you know scholarships and they would put you in different scenarios and right if this happens how would you respond and you know having been a head coach whether it be division one division two II, division three it's always it's, a, it's about problem solving it's about um, you know making sure that you're doing best by the student athlete but also uh, positioning your program for success and uh, so I, I do feel like you know there was a lot of stuff that I've gone through as a head coach and it might not have been at the division one level that still prepared me to answer any question that and you know any problems
2: that came up? No, I think that that makes a ton of sense, and and, and obviously, and Paul touched on. I it, think there's it's not very common these days, but I think at if you're able, obviously, one to connect with someone, you're able to build that relationship, and obviously, prove what you've done, and and, and your knowledge and your ability to connect with others. I think it's it's invaluable. And at taking a step back from that day, I know obviously your background. You touched on it growing up in in Maryland, and. Obviously now I would say it's hard to argue that the DMV is not at least one of the the, the hotbeds or probably the, the top I'd say the top five areas of, of high school hoops in the country right now. How have you seen since your playing days to now, how have you seen that grow even more and, and two, how much of an emphasis? I know looking at your roster, I think you guys have at least ten guys, at least from Virginia, Maryland, how much of an emphasis do you have on those local guys from Virginia, Maryland and, and the area around there? Yeah, so
1: if you looked at my roster from Southern Vermont, I mean, it was mostly comprised with guys from this D.C., metropolitan, Virginia area. Um, It's a lot where my connections are. Uh, It is a really impressive basketball uh, place, you know, in terms of you can go to Baltimore and find multiple Division I guys, D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Now, the thing that's happened is everybody's recruiting this area now, so it's way more competitive. Um, So we're recruiting this area hard, but we're also looking you know, outside the D.C. area as well. Um, but it is, um, it is ultra competitive, uh, AAU programs. I've grown. There's more of them. Um, there's really good players all over the place and, you know, you just got to go find the right ones that fit, you know, the way that you want to play. And, but the thing about it is you got to get on them early. If you don't recruit them early, um, you'll, you won't really have a chance at them. And then, you know, by the end, everybody comes to recruit here now. So, you know, it's less likely that you're going to get a big steal, you know, at the end of the recruiting process from the D.C. area. Um, So, you know, we we look at that. But there's so many good players, and, um, you know, that that was a big reason why I was successful. And any coach that tells you otherwise, it really comes down to, you know, getting really good people and good players and good um, high-character guys in your program. And um, so we we know a lot of people in this area, so we're able to kind of vet through, um, you know, and and find and select guys that fit us
0: when you were building out your staff did you want to put an emphasis on guys that could recruit other parts of the country or did you want some guys that also knew the dmv area
1: so my biggest thing is like I, i i knew i wanted i knew the guys that i was hiring um so i've had previous relationships they all I, I knew them personally. I knew what they were capable of recruiting. Uh, the biggest thing that I was looking for, to be honest with you, is teachers. Like, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in development and how key that is, and it's a big part of our recruiting process. The guys that work really hard, and, um, you know, I, I have had coaches that are on my staff. Like I, the, the, the biggest change from Division three to Division one is it's a much more of a CEO position. Um, it's much more management. It's much more organization, and you just put the right people in the right spots to to help your organization be successful. And so I, I knew I needed guys that could teach the game, and um, because there's a, there's a lot that goes into this. And um, so that was the biggest thing is I, I didn't just want recruiters. I wanted guys that recruit multiple areas. Um, so they all they all they don't just recruit DC. Like everyone has different areas. Historically, the Mount's been really good from basically Carolina up to Philly. Um, we've expanded a little bit. Like, we have a commit from Georgia already this year. We have a commit from uh, Connecticut. So we just want to find good players. And um, we've, we've even, you know, gone as far to recruit internationally. So um, I, have a, I have a relentless staff that, you know, they're up all night looking at film and, and breaking down and, and evaluating, um, you know, recruits all over the place. And so, we, you know, we really have a process to, to how we do it
0: speaking of uh, you know change organizational change when you took over at Southern Vermont College they had just had a one in 24 season you take over and go 16 and 10 I mean I don't know if I have a good question for you but how the hell did you do that
1: really good players I mean the one the one thing that was able to um, to change fast was at the division three level you can bring in you know just set amount of scholarships you can bring in a, a brand a new group. So I was through my relationships. I mean, I so I was the young guy on staff at both Holy Cross and Mount Saint Mary. It's on the road a lot, and so through all of those relationships that I built, when I took over at Southern, I had a lot of guys that were like, "Hey, I got a I got a player for you. I got you know I got a guy," and, and so I was able to tap into some really good um, players through you know relationships that I built with friends. You know, guys that wanted to see me be successful and and knew that. I was about, you know, the right stuff in terms of wanting to take care of young men and develop and, and, you know, have them become part of something. And I was able to land some, a mix of really good high school kids and some junior college guys. And, and you know, the biggest thing that happened that year is we played, it's, I mean, it really is amazing. We, we were the 410th ranked in the end of the game. And we played Williams College, who was number one in the country in the sporting news and they had a couple names that you're going to remember, but the number one name that's going to stick out because he's lighting the league on fire is Duncan Robinson. Yeah. yeah. So Duncan Robinson, the first game that I coached against was against Dun- Duncan Robinson. True story. I had a six-nine New Zealander. He drove baseline and dunked it to a- on my big net. And I turned to my my staff and I said, "He's not supposed to be here." <laughs> and and we ended up. I mean, if we played that game a hundred times. We lose 100. Like, I don't know how it happened. It was an amazing night. We probably were a 30% three-point shooting team of the year. We shot, like, 67, and we beat that Williams team that ended up losing the national championship with Duncan Robinson and, and all those players. And we won that game, and that just really created a quick buzz. And, it you know, it, it allowed us to, you know, our guys to believe in what I was trying to sell and, and, um, you know, so we were able to kind of hurry that process up a little bit faster. And, and, you know, the crazy part of that year, too, is is we beat Williams, who was number one in the country, and we lost to a team that had won one game that entire year, that the same season. <laughs> so it was just, it was it was quite a roller coaster. I mean, I was learning a lot as a head coach. I was going through a lot um, it was before I met my wife, and so I, I was just a mess, and trying to work through that year, and, and then... You know, we ended up building something pretty special there, and I'm very close to a lot of those players, and uh, very fortunate that I, I got that opportunity. And it was it was as fun as I'll ever have coaching. I love what I'm doing now, and but that, I'll cherish that time start of the of a.
0: Yeah, I mean, an unbelievable five year run. You were 104 and 34, uh, three time NECC Coach of the Year. I mean, you can't do better than you did. So unbelievable. But I wanted to ask too. If you could boil it down to one thing, what is the biggest difference between switching seats from assistant coach to head coach?
1: Um, just, you're not, it's, it's on you, you know, it's on you. Like every decision you make, like, you know, it's, it's your decision and you've got to stand by it. And, um, I, I don't think you ever know if you're truly ready to be a head coach until you have that first meeting. And then all of a sudden, okay, this, these are my, these are our guys. Like, this is, this is our team. This is what we're trying to build. And, um, you know, I messed a lot of stuff up there, but I, I also learned. But the biggest thing was just, like, I, I felt prepared because I've worked. You know, I felt, I think, with anything in life. Like, I worked really hard for Coach Brown and, and learned so much from him and was excited to, for the opportunity. And, you know, you switch that seat and you gotta you got to figure it out. But, um, you know, the, the fact that, you know, you, you work so hard and you're up all night watching film and you're, you you feel like you're prepared. And, um, you know, so the biggest thing is just, like, you know, decisions are yours and you got to live with them.
0: Yep. Um, how have you seen social media change in the in the terms of recruiting? Like, there I mean, there are teams, and you know, the Blue Bloods have like actual teams dedicated to content and pushing out stuff on social media every day. Um, has that changed in recruiting? Has has families or recruits asked about it in terms of what you guys produce and how everything is shared? I mean, has that changed at all? What 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 is your take on that,
1: Paul? Well, the game has changed so much since I got into it, and I'm not—I'm not even that old. I mean, I'm 35 years old. Um, so the biggest thing that has changed is that social media has created such a comparison game. So, like to, to start out, like I, I do think that social media is the cause of of basically all the transfers. I think that's what started it. Um, just because you know it's a different world now. Everyone's looking for affirmation. Um, it is such an important part of it too now. Um, you know I'm as I said I am 35 so I'm I'm on social media like I put some stuff out I'm not like overly active on it Um, you know we we have our director of operations is in charge of our content that he puts out we want to put stuff out there and it is really important um, for recruiting and um, it's something that you know every program in the country uses now and it's vital for you know getting young people to follow you and see what's happening and Uh, But it's just so up to the minute. and It's, you know, it it does create this always looking at what else is out there. So, you know, that's uh, that's the different landscape that we're in. Like, you know, I I inherited one of the youngest teams in all of America. Like we we didn't have a junior or senior on our roster last year, Um, you know, because and that wasn't the case. 10, 11, you know, everyone would stick it out and you'd have three in a class, four in a class, three in a class. And now it's, you know, it's changed recruiting in that regard is that you, you know, there's just so much movement and, you know, we're trying to build it in a family dynamic and you don't want anyone to go, but you also got to balance the classes. So that's, that's the biggest challenge. And so, you know, I think there's really been um, a, a big culture shift and it's, and it's impacted not just recruiting, but also retention.
0: Yep, no, I totally agree. Um, Let's jump into this year's team. You're coming off a four-game win streak, so perfect time to do a podcast. You're sitting in third in the uh, Northeast Conference. Um, Before we actually, before we jump in, what are your thoughts on Merrimack um, being so successful in their first year as D1? Well, since
1: they beat us, I'm rooting for them every single game because they can't (laughs) play in our conference tournament. Um, You know, I'm impressed by them. You know, the thing about it is, I knew the level that the any 10 was like, I yeah. knew how good, oh, yeah. like good yeah. division, like being a division three head coach, I knew how good some of those teams were like the Williams and Amherst and how, how talented they are. And being like up in the new England area, I knew how talented, like we were at Holy Cross, like we lost to assumption in an exhibition one year. Um, you know, so I knew that, that there's really good players. And the thing with a lot of our league is that it's, it's young and uh, Merrimack has veteran guards and they play a unique system. Um, they, they run a, a zone that's, you know, very active. The guards are like, they have one of the best, like he, he, he really is. He, he, I've never seen someone be able to get as many steals in a game as, as he had. I mean, he had nine steals against centrally five versus us. He's had great anticipation. So they have really good senior guards and they, they've done a nice job with what they do and how they play and, um, you know, credit to them, you know, they're, they're, they're playing well. Um, you know, I'm excited to play him again and get another opportunity to, you know, learn from the first time we played them like we, we had a tough game versus them we had a shot to win it and then had another shot to tie to the buzzer and just fell short um but they're very disciplined they play at one of the slowest paces in the country so they get you in their style it's you know they're they're able to you know make enough plays where and then you know they, they want to limit um possessions in the game and they, they they do it well and they have guys that know how to do it and have one playing that way and you know, just I think it goes to show you how, how good basketball is at, at the Division two level, and, um, so I, I didn't know they would come in and be seven and one. I can't tell you that, but I'm not surprised that they're competitive out the gate.
0: Um, your team this year, you guys are second in the league in scoring defense, second in the league in field goal percentage defense, third in the league in defensive rebounds. It certainly seems like you guys have a defensive minded team. Yeah. Um, Talk to me about your team this year, and, and what you thought going in. What what changed? Um, what adjustments you made? All that stuff.
1: So we we went from having nobody that knew what we were trying to do last year, and like put it all in from scratch. And you know, nice thing about our level is that we get to work with them this summer. Um, to this year where most of the guys, we had two freshmen come on, kind of, we all speak the same language now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's allowed our defense to take a jump. It's allowed us to be able to make adjustments in a game. You know, we may double a post one way and then i take it off. But last year we couldn't make those adjustments on the fly because we were just trying to teach the basics of it. Um, so it's been fun to watch a group kind of grow and develop together and um, see them make some some big strides on the defensive side. Um, I'll always be a defensive coach. I love, I love that end, and I've, I'm a firm believer if you're going to win games and, and win championships and make runs, you've, you've got to be able to be disciplined in the half court on both sides. Um, we'd like to play faster. Right now our depth isn't there to play at the pace we want to play offensively. We're starting to score better because we're shooting it a little better. Um, but we run some of those ball screens in the country. Um, we have some guards that can really make plays off it, and we've had some players really make some – of significant jumps. Um, so I'm, I'm proud of the, the growth that we're, we're making. I mean, we're, we're five and two right now. Last year at this time, we were, you know, one and five, and um, we ended up winning six league games total last year. So you can see some great development with the same group. Like we're not, we don't really have a whole lot of um, new players. So it's, you know, that's been a reward to see them grow up and figure out how to win games. Like We had a tough win the other night versus Brian, a game that probably would have gotten away from us last year. And we were able to find a way to, to pull it out, and and we're gonna we're gonna rely on our defense, Coach Miller, um, Coach Matt Miller. Who you know, Paul. Yeah. Um, I, I think he's one of the best teachers um, I've ever been around. I learned from my staff. Like I said, I hired people and, and try to put them in a position. So Coach Matt oversees our defense. Coach Will does the offense, and Coach Xavier on staff does the special teams, and my director of ops does personnel. Because I'm a firm believer in um, you know giving ownership from them and I believe in their ability to teach and coach the game and I think it really allows us to focus on each uh, part of it and uh, you know Matt's done a great job of being an architect of a a really good defense that I think is only gonna get better with time
0: you got a big road trip coming up this week um probably headed up to what day is it Tuesday yeah headed up to Connecticut tomorrow for Sacred Heart and then Fairleigh Dickinson um I'm on your site now are you really playing at noon on Thursday
1: yeah, yeah. To be honest with you, I wasn't thrilled about it, but it'll be. I think it'll be a pretty cool, unique environment. So it's elementary school day, so they got like, ah, thousands God. of kids coming in. Got it. So we we play we play at noon. So um, you know, will we'll, we'll, I don't care when we play. I'm just excited to, to get a chance to play again, and there'll be a yeah. cool environment, and you know, hopefully, um, hopefully, we come out and play well. And I've actually seen elementary school days. <laughs> when I was at Holy Cross, the women's always did it, the women's team. And the thing that was kind of cool about it is that the kids didn't know who they were rooting for. <laughs> so I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful it kind of creates a neutral crowd and we can kind of win them over. Congrats to so, no. uh, well, yeah.
2: And Last thing I'll ask you and on that same topic. Obviously, we've talked to some other guys in NEC before, and it's unique scheduling in the sense that obviously you're playing Thursday, Saturdays, and obviously most of that scheduling, it is – if, yeah, if you're in if you're playing Sacred Heart, you're mostly playing fairly Digginson. If you're playing one of the, the, the Brooklyn teams, you're probably playing the other. How has that been an adjustment for your team in terms of scheduling things out in terms of whether it be academics, whether it be scouting, whether it just be travel in general, how has that been adopting kinda of the the NEC schedule?
1: Yeah, so I was in the league before and you know, I, I we we've had people that are on staff and support here that that really helps with that and travel and um, so they, they do a really good job with that. You know, this is actually light compared to our non-conference. You know, part of being in the NEC is I have to go chase money for our department. So, like, you know, in our in our non-conference, like, we flew out to Washington and we flew from there to Texas. And we, you know, so we just had, like, crazy amounts of travel and we were all yep. over the place. And, you know, to try to manage through that. I mean, it was basically two weeks one time where we didn't have class. So, like, monitoring study halls and just putting, putting a, a system in place that allows our guys to know be able to light the candle on both ends and able to still be student athletes and our school does a really nice job of working with us especially with missed exams and, and and stuff of that nature but yeah it was an adjustment for me i mean it was a lot more you know managing the time when you're when you're away and making sure you know you put your guys in a position to be successful in, in everything that we're doing here at the mount.
0: awesome well that's all we had coach before we go we always want to give at least a, a plug for social where can everybody uh find you and, and obviously the mount on social
1: yeah, so uh, at Mount Hoops is uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter. Uh, for me, it's at Coach Dan MSM. Um, you know, I, I, I'm i just very fortunate, Paul. You know, I'm very fortunate to be in this position. As you know, I, I've... I've, I've, I've I think my football coach said it best. I got a horseshoe in my butt, man. I got very <laughs> fortunate, and we're just trying to, trying to make the best of this, um, you know, amazing opportunity that we've been afforded. I, I love what we're doing here at the mound, and, and can see us building something really great. And um, you know, this is a, it's a fun time for us. And um, I, it's always great to connect with you, though, and I appreciate you having me on today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Always good to catch up. Good luck uh, on Thursday and Saturday. We'll be, we'll be watching for. Uh, elementary school day and see how that crowd is. But um, really appreciate you coming on. Best of luck this week, and we'll talk soon.
1: All right, guys. Appreciate you.
0: Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they're opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a couple of pulls. rust Russell's up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the
2: cops is. Come on.